0: Well, we're going to continue along our series that we talked about last week. We're doing 21 Days of Prayer. Today we're going to talk about two items. One is community, which is what we're all a part of, and the other is actually getting into God's Word and reading God's Word as a spiritual discipline. And uh, last week we talked about Sabbath and the fact that when we rest, God continues to work, so it's an evidence of faith in our lives, and then also solitude, the opportunity to get alone with God and to pray silently and to trust Him. You know, in this last couple of years, I've done a lot of funerals, and in doing them, what I've noticed is that no one at the end of their life, in giving their faith and their heart to God, are going to say, Lord, I'm disappointed with what you did with my life. We're all going to stand there and say, Lord, thank you that you were at work In every step of my journey, even when I didn't understand. And so uh, each time I get up, I take the Bible in my hand, and I have a little ditty that I say, but I want you to understand something. There's an image that's going to come up on the screen, and it represents the Word of God. You talk about hypertext, things connected one to another. The bottom, the white that you see coming down like icicles, represents 1,189 chapters in the Bible. And God's Word is given for us, not to us, meaning that He gives us the storyline all the way through from Genesis to Revelation to remind us that He's at work and He has done things in the past that you can have trust in today. And so when you see all of these connectors, you realize it is one story. It is the story of redemption from the very beginning to the very close of the book. It's not... A whole range of stories, even though there are experiences in there that represent stories, but it's one story that continues to unfold. So you and I need to have absolute confidence that God's Word is connected everywhere to His plan and to His purpose, and He wants to lead your life and my life and guide us. And so we're familiar with GPSs now more than ever. Uh, When Joyce and I would take the kids and we'd go down somewhere in the States, always had a map. And how many know when your wife has the map and you're driving, it's not always a good experience. Now we have a GPS and the woman keeps talking to me and telling me what I need to do, turning here and turning there. But I want you to understand God's Word is His, God's positioning system in your life. And when you set a destination, if you were to ask someone today, where would you like to be at when you die? And they'll always say, I want to go to heaven, whatever that is, whatever their understanding of heaven is, that's their destination. So when you punch that into your GPS, it starts taking you on a journey. And as you're on the journey, how many know there are obstacles that come along the way? And sometimes the GPS will recalculate and make a change. And so I want you to know that when you open God's Word, when you're a believer, there's never any condemnation in Christ. His GPS says, wherever you're at right now, I will make the course correction for you to lead you to the destination that you have in your heart. And that gives you great confidence when you're working with God. He doesn't exasperate you, but He leads you. That's why when Jesus said, come follow me, he is God's GPS. We follow him every single day of our lives. So I like to say, this is my GPS. I am what it says I am. I have what I says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. And I'm ready this morning to receive into my heart the ever-living, everlasting, incorruptible seed called the Word of God. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart today about community. Speak to my heart today about your Word and direct my steps. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. amen. And so there are some practices that we enjoy as believers that we do by not doing. Like we said, rest, the Sabbath, and silent or quiet prayer. Other practices we do by doing, like today, gathering in community and actually reading our Bibles. What do we mean by community? What do we understand from a biblical point of view? The Greek and the Hebrew both talk about people gathering for a purpose. And so Galatians tells it to us this way. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put him on. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. You are all one now in Christ Jesus. So when we embrace community together, what we're really saying is embracing me in the midst of we. All that is is a change where you realize you don't live unto yourself. But you live with brothers and sisters. And because of that, you have put on Christ, and no matter what your background is, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, whatever, you're one in Christ, and that's the community that we enjoy. That's the connection that we enjoy. It's because of Jesus that we get to embrace and enjoy community. Paul was making it clear that being baptized in Christ meant putting on a new life, having a new purpose, and yet maintaining the distinctiveness that makes you you, whatever your background might happen to be. Jews are still Jews. Gentiles are still Gentiles. Slaves are still slaves. So when you study the Scriptures in the context, you begin to see the miracle that the church is, the wonderful local expression of the body of Christ in the midst of the world that is so divided that is so divisive in terms of its tribe and its groupings, and you're not welcome because you're not one of us. And yet in the church, it's all embracing, whosoever will may come. Aren't you glad for the body of Christ? I know I am. Whether it's being clothed with Christ as the difference maker, regardless of your race, regardless of the place and status that you have in life, or even regardless of the grace that you're walking in, we are all at different places on our journey in Jesus, but we're together in Him. What makes us a community is now that we're one in Him, and the Holy Spirit is at work in each and every one of us to will and to do of God's good pleasure. That's why I said at the beginning, when we stand before God, we're going to be very grateful that he directed our steps and that we said, Lord, we want your will to be done in our lives, not just our will. If you've been watching the news, lately some very famous people have gone on into the next life. And I can imagine when they stand before God and God says, What did you do with your life? And they explain what they've done. Then he says, what did you do for me? The expression in community is that when Christ is at work inside of us, we're on mission. And when we're on mission is we want to serve his purposes. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of service, same Lord. Varieties of activities, same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? For the common good. So God is at work in you uniquely for the sake of everyone else. And when we're all saying yes to to being on mission with Jesus, then he's going to use your life to be a blessing to someone else. He's going to use you as an example of what community is all about. Verse 12, for just as the body is one, has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Jesus. For in one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And so when I look around and I see you, when we talk together online and we see on Zoom so many of us, we realize as we hear one another speak and as we see one another serve, what do we discover? We see Christ at work in the midst of us. Jesus, the testimony of Jesus in our midst is rich because in the natural, this can't happen. It only happens in the supernatural by the Spirit of God for the purposes of God. Verse 18 says, as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as He chose. I was looking at some of the musicians today. You ever watch them when they're playing? <laughs> like the whole body's into it, and I'm thinking to myself, that's not my gift. I tapped my foot pretty good, but that's not my gift. And I see someone serving, and they're loving and caring and and just really being a blessing to someone. And I think, Lord, I remember how you called me into the kingdom. You had an usher come down the aisle and just put his hand on my shoulder. And as soon as he did, I broke. Lord, you are so good at working in us and working through us exactly as you choose and how you gifted each and every one of us so that there's no comparisons. There's just cooperation. Oh, God, do in us what you desire to do. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Just say, Lord, what is it that you want to do through my life today? And he'll bring situations up before you and give you an opportunity to discover what it is that he's doing inside your heart. Community is God's plan. It's seen as distinct different gifts, working and walking together by serving and loving one another according to the Holy Spirit, that is, working through our culturally different lives. Have you ever looked around at the church and saw that from the young to the old, from the rich to the poor, all in ethnic backgrounds, and you say, Lord, you are so marvelous in what you are doing? We'll talk about that a little later on. The church is a miracle. And the fact that from the moment Jesus said, I'll build my church, he's still doing it. And aren't you glad you're part of it? Aren't you glad that you're being built into something that's eternal, not just something that is temporal and uh, natural? And so in the book of Acts, we realize a certain way that the Holy Spirit was moving and how he brought people together. And so I can imagine what those first services were like when Jews and Gentiles were together, male and female were together, and the culture was struggling with it because it was so counterculture. It was so different, and that's the beauty. Outside of Jesus, Jesus' difference always leads to division. But in the body of Christ, it doesn't. And so in Jesus, different is designed to be a prophetic sign that you and I have a heavenly citizenship. Aren't you glad of that? Revelation says it this way, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, all tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And I'm sure at that moment, Father looked at his son and said, Jesus, look at the fruit of your obedience and your ministry in the earth on my behalf. And if you ask me to talk about the Trinity, I'll let Joyce do that. That's too complicated for me. But the body of Christ, people who have little in common, people who come from different classes, customs, and cultures, people who have different spiritual gifts, different acquired skills, like I mentioned about the musicians, life experiences. But community, as constructed by Jesus, is to take people from all different backgrounds, bring them together to demonstrate to the world that we really are one in Christ. As his church, we're called together locally— why? Because we're a visible sign of an invisible kingdom. So when people pass by buildings that are dedicated to God and they say, I wonder what's going on inside of there. When they see all the cars in a parking lot and see people coming and going, there's a curiosity factor. Why? Because sometimes during the week you don't see the church except through individuals. But on the weekend, when the church gathers, it goes from being invisible to being visible. The body of Christ gets to be seen in the community. And so we're a, we're a body, we're a bride, we care about the brokenness of our world, we care about the injustices, and we say, Lord, there's just so many spots and wrinkles, but go ahead and keep working on that so that we can be that bride that you have designed us to be. And so God has gifted us, blessed us. And whether it's here in Orleans, in Canada, Cornwall, Blackburn, online, wherever it is, our heart cry today is to say, Lord, we want to learn how to walk with you in the power of your spirit every single day to make the community called the body of Christ real to the world around us
1: powerful. It's really powerful. And there's a book in the Bible called the Book of Acts that really walks through explicitly what does that look like in our day, in our context. And there's really two genuine errors that Christians make when they begin to read the Book of Acts. One error would really be to say like, well, that's not for today. That was for then. That was a Holy Spirit. That is for then. It was to establish God's Word. It was to establish the local church. And then when the apostles died, this all ended. But how many of you know that the Holy Spirit is then is the same Holy Spirit Spirit today. It's not like we have a new one or a different one. It's the same Spirit of God. But the other challenge oftentimes when people begin to read the book of Acts, and you read about a miracle here and a word of prophecy there and a life transformed here, You can hear this other frustration and then people begin to look at the church today and they go, man, oh man, oh man, why is that not happening? And I want you to know that in every nation, every tribe, and every kindred, and every tongue, it is happening. The book of Acts was written over about 30 years looking at five different churches, all compiled in this really short book. And I want you to know if we took five churches in the city of Ottawa and told the story of what the Holy Spirit was doing in the church. CHURCH you would see marriages being healed, marriages being, or people being restored. You'd see people coming to Christ in this this church. We've seen in services hundreds of people be baptized in one service. You don't see it every single Sunday, but again, what the book of Acts is saying is it's the same Holy Spirit at work there. It's the same Holy Spirit at work here, but you know what else you see in the book of Acts that we need today? It's not just the miracles that we see in the book of Acts. It is the miracle of the church learning to work through conflict. That is what the primary message of the book of Acts is. There is every reason why the church should not have started and stayed together, but by the Spirit of God working. And we face a similar challenge today, because to develop healthy community, healthy church communities, the early church then, and us today, we need to engage some core steps Some core steps in community. And whether you're here or whether you're at home, you are not the hero of the story. You're not the hero of the church. We only have room for one hero, and that is Jesus Christ. One of the worst things to happen in church history is celebrity Christianity. It's one of the worst things that can happen because the scripture actually says, the eye shouldn't say to the foot, I have no need of you. And you know what we've run into in the church? The eye has said to the foot, I have no need of you. And we reap the whirlwind here's what I want you to know. We don't just need pastors. We need evangelists. We need apostles. We need prophets, pastors, and teachers. We need every spiritual gift, not just those seen on a platform, that those that work in the shadows. We need the whole church to be the church. And this is what's critical. The world is looking at the church today, and there are a lot of valid criticisms that they are bringing. And that is not only leadership's job to solve. It is our mission to solve collectively together. And so there are four core practices that I want to highlight really quickly that you and I if we engage them we will become a more healthy church community and the first one is life center let's be more confessional let's be more confessional the addictions community has this practice absolutely beautiful entrenched within it and other communities need to learn from this community or that community in particular that can confess what is really going on. We need to be confessional. The world is sick and tired of people simply getting caught in sin, leaders being exposed. But that's not the only story that needs to be or a marriage or a life that gets blown apart because something is finally coming to the surface. I praise God when he does that. But being caught is not the primary way that the Spirit wants to work. The Spirit will bring things to the light because He loves us so much. But the primary thing He wants us to do is be more confessional. The Bible actually says for you and I, if we confess our sins, notice it starts with if. If we confess our sins, then He's faithful and He's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't Aren't you glad that God is good? Aren't you glad that he is both full of truth and full of grace. You know what that means? It means sometimes when I confess my sin, I don't always get what I deserve because Jesus bore everything that I deserved so that I can actually get grace and mercy, which is the thing I'm least deserving of, which was a Doyen was, she wasn't just giving a spoken word. Doyen was preaching a few moments ago. That's what she was articulating to you and to I. If we say we've not sinned, then we make God a liar and his word is not in us. And so we need to confess our sins to Jesus. I don't know a Christian who has a problem with that, but the Bible also says in James chapter 5 that we're to confess our sins one to another. Not that you absolve me and I absolve you, but there's something that's powerful happens when I bring my stuff into the light. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. Notice it says confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. It doesn't say confess your sins one to another and then text one another about one another. That's not what it says. That doesn't make a healthy community. That makes our communities toxic. Confess one another. Pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. Isn't it an extraordinary thing with the book? The Word of God is saying here in the book of James that... It is not just the confession to Jesus that matters, though it does, but there is something that is powerful when you confess to somebody else. Listen to me, church, some of you who are really into other streams of teaching. Confessing what is true in your life is not an ultimate declaration of your life. The ultimate declaration of your life is left to what God says about us. But when you and I confess what is there, that I sinned, that I gossiped, that I lusted, that I looked at pornography, that I'm a, I'm a thief, I didn't tithe, I don't give, when we confess the junk that is there, it is not me speaking death over my life, it is being honest of where I need the word of God to translate transform my life. It is giving room for God to move in my life. It is, but again, it's not that I'm going to live there. So again, when I go to various in meetings, and even when I go to and invite it into addiction meetings, I'm always blown away when someone says that they're an addict or a drug addict or they're a sex addict or this addict. I hear it in that moment. They are not declaring the final word over their life. They are saying, this is the present reality of my life, but Jesus it is not a declaration of what was. It is not that. It is the humility to say outside of Christ, but by the grace of God, I go. Confession is powerful. Confess your sins one to another. Number two is let's also be about others. We need to be, have lives about others. God is always doing two things He is saving, and He is working to bring freedom in our lives. And He is moving to transform our hearts where he can only do what he is doing there's these two words that are always inseparable and they are others and obedience they're inseparable and you live, we live in a world because of technology now that you can listen to your podcasts and you can watch, you know, audio podcasts and video podcasts. You can download you version. You can pull up your Bible plans, your Bible reading plans. And I love all of the individual parts of how you and I follow Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, we need you in the other part too. The others part, the community part, the life groups part, the being together part of how we follow Jesus one with another. Abundance in your life, in my life, doesn't mean that I have more. Abundance in my life means that God has blessed my life so that I can be a blessing to other people. If God can get it to you, he'll get it to you. But if God can't get it through you, he'll stop getting it to you. It's all about others. Our lives are about others. And this is what's so challenging. You say, but in community, I will be wounded. Yes, you will, because we're always imperfect. The church will never be perfect. It'll be full of people who are full of faith and people who have very little faith. It'll be full of individuals who are healed in areas and need to be healed in areas. But here's what I want you to know. The ultimate victory that you get in your life is not just when Jesus sets you free. There's a greater victory than that. There is this revenge that you can get against the devil, against the spiritual enemy that when he, the very thing that he is using to attack you, your kids, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, however it is, the very thing that he meant for destruction in your life, when God leads you through it and you come along in community and see somebody else going through it, that you can come alongside of them and be an encouragement and be a hope and be a testimony to them, that though it feels like it's over, over, it isn't over. I was once where you were, but here's what Jesus did in my life. So it's not just that you and I can sing, I'm free. It is that you and I can link arms with others who also need freedom. The whole heart of the gospel is not about individualism, it is about us and it's about community. And when we get into community, that's where it pulls us to the next one. So it's about confession, it's about others, and then it's about reading God's world, word. Some of you are so sensitive, you are so compassionate and that does not need to change. It's your superpower, it's your gift. You know how to read people. You know how to listen to people. You know how to engage people so well. But here's what I want you to do more of in 2022. Don't be an expert in just reading other people. Be an expert in that, but be an expert also in reading God's word. Because again, when you listen to someone's thoughts or you listen to their emotions and you listen to their feelings, that is so good. But you need to lead them to a rock that is higher than that. You need to lead them Them to an authority that is greater than that, and it doesn't matter if we become experts in earthly things, but we have no heavenly understanding if we completely lose that side of it. So, we need to also be individuals in community who read God's word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home in him. The one who does not love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's the Father who sent me. This is what Jesus said. And the last thing I would say is that we need to be encouraging. Healthy church communities aren't so passionate any longer about trying to fix everyone. Now let's be honest in church today, whether you're here again or at home. How many of you have one person in your life, man, if you could fix them, you'd fix them. (laughs) You can't fix them. You can't fix them, but you can encourage them. You can pray for the you can build them up. There is not a person if you look around this room or online if in the chat rooms, there is not a single person breathing who does not need some form of encouragement right now. This is a hard season. This is a difficult season and we as the church, we don't only have to be the correctors of everything. We need to be the encouragers of everyone. Speaking life, speaking words of encouragement. And again, that doesn't mean being blind to what is or the things that need to change, but sometimes there's a moment where again, we understand as people of the word and as people of prayer that I don't have to talk to you about what needs to change but I can begin to talk to God about how he needs to change you and here's what I found, the more I talk to God about how he needs to change other people, the more he begins to change my own heart it's this really interesting thing that he does but I also pray as he's changing me that he's changing you because we all got people again, they need to do some changing we're not going to write any names but someone's name came to your head when I'm talking, and your name came to theirs. <laughs> Every time we talk about, like, this person does that, you're like, you know what i going to do. Someone's thinking about you too. Just remember that. <laughs> so I say all that to say this. We need you. We need you. The church needs us to do these things together. Pastor Barry?
0: Recalculating. Recalculating. How many hear God recalculating some things? It's not, never condemnation. No. It's just recalculating so that you stay on the journey. And I just want to say this publicly. I am so glad you're my pastor. Because I know the genuineness, the authenticity, and when I hear my son preach... What I say is, Lord, thank you for what you're doing in his life. Thank you that Mom and I can sit together, we can listen to him, and God can do in us what needs to be done. And the Bible tells us to know those who labor amongst you. I know his life, I know his foundation, I know his journey, I know his strengths, his weaknesses, what he's been through. But because of that, when I sit and I listen, I hear authenticity. And in this hour and this day, authentic preaching is really essential to the growth of the community and the appreciation of God's Word. If the church becomes the whole church that God desires in blessing a city, think of the impact we would have in the nation's capital of a million people if the church really became the church. Uh, Can I just encourage you? There's no plan B. If you think there's a plan B, there's no plan B. Why? Because in God's eyes, the church is perfect. It's exactly what human beings need for growth and maturity and the concept of community. And so it really is a time to encourage, to call out in one another the spiritual gifts, the natural abilities, the skills that God has placed on your life, the, the education you have, all of the things that make you you. When you say, Lord, I want to donate that to the work of the kingdom, you watch what God will do with your life. And so we witness some powerful things firsthand. Jason mentioned them a moment ago. And I just was walking down the hallway to come in here, and I met Colt and Amanda and little Arlo and arlo had his little headphones on and to protect his ears from the sounds that are loud and i just thought i remember colt way back when as you were believing god for the next step in your journey and in your life and how god has systematically walked you through where he wanted you to go and the next thing you know amanda comes into your life and the next thing you know your expression of love for one another arlo comes into the world and God's at work. Those are the miracles that we need to see in the midst of community. And it, it it's amazing to just watch those things happen. So what I want to encourage you with is Hebrews 3. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Jason mentioned in John, when we I embrace God's word. It's a demonstration that we love Him. And out of the intimacy of relationship with Him, the Word of God becomes alive more and more and more. And if you're like I am, there are so many things in the scriptures that say, Lord, I don't understand. And when I go to God in prayer, He says, You don't need to understand. I'll give you clarity on all the things you need to have clarity in. But there are going to be some things that you won't understand, but that's where I ask you to trust me. That's where I ask you to walk by faith. And when we do that, we exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of us will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So if you stumble, just hear Holy Spirit say, recalculating, recalculating. And you just get back on your journey and keep moving forward. Why? Because that's why Jesus came and died, so that we could be forgiven, that we could be authentic, that we could move forward. We've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the very end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So when you hear recalculating, even if it is, quote, a woman's voice, men, just respond. Just respond. Embrace this wonderful intimate relationship God's talking about and uh, engage the confessional, engage the process of loving one another and caring for one another and allow the Jesus difference that you and I have in our lives to be a sign, a prophetic sign that we are really citizens of another kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. And we're going to live forever in that kingdom, but it started here as a demonstration of the goodness of God at work. And so I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Jason, and uh, he's going to conclude our time together.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure in your life if you've ever seen a home that has been condemned. The city of Ottawa has come along and said that this house is condemned, meaning it's not good, it's not suitable to be a home any longer. It's not safe, it's not stable. There's nothing about it that is actually, you know, a house any longer, so it's been condemned. It's, it's, it just needs to be demolished. Here's what I want to say to some of you. Doesn't matter how messy, how broken, how much pain is in your heart and your life. Here's what I want you to know about Jesus. He will never hang a condemnation sign on your heart and life. He never says to you that your life is useless. It's good for nothing. The only thing it needs to be torn is is just torn down. That is not the voice of the Lord. That is the voice of the accuser of our brothers and sisters. It's not in Christ. There is now, therefore, no condemnation, no life that is to be condemned, that is useless, that is good for nothing. And so it doesn't matter the state of your life. In your hands, it may be irreparable, not in the hands of Jesus. And so here's what I want to say. If Jesus says that no individual life is worthy just to be condemned and torn down, church, his church, his bride, is also not to be deconstructed to the floor and left and wept and that it's no good for nothing. No, no, we need to have our eyes open about all the problems that are in the church. But I tell you what, after you see all the problems that are in the church, get your eyes on the one who has promised never to leave us or to forsake us, who is working in the midst of the church on all of these spots and all of these wrinkles. And so together, actually you can remain seated because here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment and I want to invite you to something and then I want us to pray. I want to invite you to something that you maybe have never done before. It's starting in April. For six months, we're going to do this thing called Heart Strong Together. And there's, we, last year we had a cost for it. This year we have no cost for it at all. But here's what we want to do. We wanna create a space where we're confessional, when we're about others, where we read God's word together and we encourage one another. That's all we wanna do as ways to make us heart-strong in following Jesus. You may read God's word by yourself and pray by yourself and that's a wonderful thing, but there's something about us gathering together and doing it together that is transformative. For some of you, you have no discipline in reading God's word or prayer. You try really hard, but you just can't establish it. Perhaps it's meant that you don't just do it alone. You begin to do it in community. Do you know the fitness industry figured out that some people can't do fitness by themselves and they're not to be shamed for it? Why don't we just do it in group classes together? Because there's something about just doing something with others that brings a sense of beautiful accountability and encouragement. So we began to look at that too. So I'm going to invite you, you go to heartstrong.life and you can sign up. It costs absolutely nothing, uh, but you can donate whatever you want to it. If you think it's worth a dollar, okay. If you think it's worth a lot more, okay. But it's up to you to engage that. Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, as men, as women, different ethnicities, different experiences, different sin struggles, the only reason why we are in this place or logged on right now to this channel is because of one thing that we share, and that is Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that you are working in every heart every life, every marriage, every family, every single individual, Father, every circumstance, every situation. And so, Father, we just pray. We pray, God, that you'd keep leading and guiding. In this season of polarization, Lord, we pray opposite spirit, you make us one. Father, I thank you that we can have an opinions about a lot of different things. But give us the grace, Father, to stop fixing one another or trying to fix one another and help us to fix our eyes back upon you who can do all the fixing in the world. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.